probably noticed there's a card there in your seat. Would everybody pick that up? Would you take a card? And uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write something on it. And I'll tell you what I, know, what I want you to write on it in just a moment. But if you do not have anything to write with, please raise your hand, hold it up high so the ushers can help you. And they're going to serve you quickly. Guys, if you'll move rapidly. There you go. Hand them a pen and run to the next one. I'd like for everybody to be ready to write something. You don't write much anymore, do you? Everybody uses those electronic things. But uh, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way. By the way, if you don't know what this is, it's a three-by-five card. We used to use these back in the days right before the flood. Uh, we, we even called them index cards, and we even had little boxes that you put them in, and you alphabetized. Anybody old enough to remember those days? Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, we're we're, we're going to ask you to help us with this. Here's what I want you. Is everybody listening carefully? Here's what I want you to write on your card. If you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? If you could ask God for one thing, write it down quickly. Don't write your name. We're going to pass those in in a minute. You'll just turn them over and send them. I want you to send them to the inside aisle so the ushers can pick them up. Uh, real quickly, but if you could ask God for one thing, whatever comes to mind quickly, if you're one of those analytical pers persons who has to struggle with it and think and analyze and, and you know, turn it in next Sunday. But uh, <laughs> I want to know what you would ask God for if there was one thing you could ask him for. Just write it down quickly. Pass them into the center aisles, and the ushers are going to come through and pick those up. And I'm going to start preaching while they're doing that. We're going to get right into the message because I have some things on my heart to share with you today, and I want to, I want to get right to it. Actually, I have a, a fairly short message. Um, I saw you smiling. You, you didn't want to hurt my feelings by saying amen and clapping and all of that, but, but you're doing that inside. I can see it. I've only got two points. I don't even have three points for this message this morning, just two points. So uh, I want you to listen as fast as I can preach, okay? The title of my message today is Power to Witness. Power to Witness. Power to witness. You know, we're fascinated by power, aren't we? Everybody loves a, a, a good um, fireworks show. I mean, if it's really spectacular with, with lots of pizzazz and lots of explosions and lots of power, we like that. Or perhaps you've been near Cape Kennedy when one of those rockets launched off. Anybody ever been around that? So loud that it shakes the ground for miles around. Spectacular as you watch that rocket lift off 
of a space pad down in Titusville, Florida, and it literally has enough power behind it that it jettisons it out, clean out into outer space so it can get out of this orbit and go on up and surround the moon or maybe even land on the moon, which they've done a few times. Or um, have you ever noticed that the most popular player on a baseball team usually is a power hitter? And we like all those other positions, and we love to watch those other guys play. But, boy, there's just something about hearing the crack of that bat and watching that guy. I'm old enough that uh, I used to go to the old, old Atlanta Stadium and watch Hank Aaron. I was there when he hit home run number 498 and 499. I thought he was going to go 500 that day. I wasn't there when he broke the 714 mark. But, uh, boy, to watch that guy, you just, man, the power. And, and every year, tens of thousands, no, 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 hundreds of thousands of people literally take good money and buy tickets so they can go into a, a big place and sit in a stands where they can watch cars go round and round for hours because they like the power of those engines. They like the smell of that exhaust and those tires burning and, and they're there to see which one of those supercharged fast automobiles has more power than any of the rest and will take the checkered flag after a few hours great time of living. Boy, if we had something like that at church, people would run out the door with both fingers in their ears and trying to hold their nose at the same time and say, but boy, they'll sit in those stands and watch those cars for hours. We like power. There's, there's just something about it. And you know, the Lord Jesus talked about a supercharge of power that is resident in the Holy Spirit. And he even said that you and I could partake of that power, that we could have some of that power in our lives. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. My text is in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. If you'd like to follow it on the screens, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power. Say that with me. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Say that with me. You shall be witnesses to me 
in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, there are two things that I want you to get from this text, and these are the two points of my message today. Number one, you shall receive. Now, be, be, be sure you get to, if you get these two points, you got my message this morning. You all believe you can get this message? You can remember this, okay? You shall receive. Say that with me. You shall receive. Second thing, you shall be. Say that with me. You shall be. You shall receive and you shall be. It's all in the text here. This is what Jesus said. You shall receive and you shall be. I'm going to talk about those two things. I'm going to reverse the order, however, and I'm going to talk about you shall be first. And then I'll talk about you shall receive. You shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses. Praise the Lord. Notice when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, and by the way, this, this text is so vitally important. All the Word of God is true, and all of it's important. There's not a word, there's not a jot nor tittle in the, in the Scripture that isn't important. But there's some things that we pay closer attention to than others. And usually the last words of a person are words that you just hang on to. I can, I can remember sitting with my mom before she went home to be with the Lord, and she had been unconscious for um, the, the last oh, day, day and a half, something like that. And I was sitting by her bedside when all of a sudden she just opened her eyes and the glory of the Lord just, just radiated the room. And mama lifted those weak little hands and started speaking in other tongues. She spake in the most beautiful heavenly language you ever heard for about 15 minutes. Just worshiped the Lord. And then closed her eyes, went back into unconsciousness, and died the next day. Went home to be with the Lord. I remember that well. I remember my precious aunt that used to take me uh, to my meetings when I was just a child preacher. I started preaching on the street corners when I was 11, and my mother and dad both had to work because I'd had so many surgeries and no insurance company would insure me, so both of my parents worked all the hours they could possibly work to try to pay my hospital bills and doctor bills. And, but I had a precious aunt that would, when people, when preachers would invite me to their churches as a kid, 12, 13 years old, my, my aunt would take me to those meetings. and. She was a godly woman. I mean, a godly woman, praying woman, good time of living. She could pray a hole through the sky. And I can remember as a kid preacher, sometimes I'd be preaching, and I didn't know how to prepare sermons and material and stuff. I'd just pray till the Lord would give me something, and then I'd just go share whatever the Lord gave me. And sometimes when you're preaching, it comes easy. There's an anointing, and there's just a special, it, it just sort of flows. You just open your mouth, and here it comes. There are other times when it's difficult. And any of you that's ever preached, you know what that's like. You hit those times. When I would hit a time like that, I'd look over at my aunt. She always sat on this side about two seats back two rows back, and, and I'd look over there at her, and, and her head would go down, and I'd know if I could just hang on a few minutes, she'd get this thing prayed through, 
and that anointing, and it would. I'm telling you, she when she raised her head back up, the the glory of the Lord was there. She was just powerful. Now that was wonderful in church, but when she was driving, <laughs> sometimes I remember one time we were in the mountains of North Georgia, going around these hairpin turns, and she was praying, just closed her eyes and. Holy Spirit, she got to rejoice and lifted both hands, just praising the Lord, speaking in tongues, and the car was going. And I thought, we're going to meet Jesus right now. <laughs> she was an amazing lady. The last word she spoke on this earth, she was speaking in a heavenly language. Listen, folks. You, you, any, anybody tries to tell me that the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't real, they just come too late. I'm sorry. I, I, know, I know different. I know, first of all, because the Word declares it. And I know, secondly, because I've experienced it. I've just, I've seen too much. I've heard too much of what God can do. So it brings me to this word witness. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses. He didn't just say you shall witness. He said, you shall be witnesses unto me. Let's define what a witness is. A witness is someone who has seen or heard something and communicates what he or she has heard uh, that experience accurately. Let, let me read that again. Someone who has seen or heard something and communicates his or her experience accurately. That's what a witness is. If you're on a witness stand and you start telling a bunch of hearsay stuff, the, ju the judge will stop you because that's inadmissible. They don't care what you heard from somebody else. They want to know what you heard in the incident that you're testifying about. They want to know what you saw, not what somebody else saw. They want your experience accurately described. That is an admissible testimony in a court of law. And Jesus said, you shall be witnesses. And a witness, as I said, is somebody that accurately communicates what they've seen or heard. I love the, that little term, seen and heard. It, it's, it's many times I, in the scripture. I'm just going to give you five or six right quick. First of all, did you know that Jesus was a witness? Yes, he was. Did you know that when Jesus came to this earth, he came, part of the reason he came was to show us the Father. And he shared with us what he had seen and heard. Look at John 3, 31 and 32. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all, and what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. In fact, you remember one time Jesus said, the only thing I talk about is what the Father tells me. That's, that's the only thing. I, I'm not here, to, I'm not here to, to, to start some new religion and start some, you know, build some kingdom of, of, uh, on this earth. I'm just here to tell you what my father tells me. I'm telling you what I've seen and what I've heard. The shepherds, remember the night when the shepherds announced the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Luke 2 and 20. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Well, the angels, they were telling everybody. This is what the angels said. 
and told, told us where to go. And we went, and this is what we saw. We saw the Son of God. We, saw, we heard angels singing. We saw the heavens full of angels. And, and they shared what they had seen and heard. John's disciples, in Luke chapter 7, verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, he's talking to John's disciples. John had sent a couple of his disciples to check Jesus out and see if he was really the Messiah. And Jesus said, you go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. In other words, don't, don't go back and give him some theological argument. You don't even have to go back and go back through all the scriptures. He knows the scripture. Just tell him what you've seen and heard. They saw the sick healed. They saw the blind see, the deaf hear. They saw the dead raised. They saw, he said, just go, just go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. That's what a witness is. The disciples of Jesus, Acts 4.20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's what the disciples of Christ told the Sanhedrin court when they called them into question and demanded that they stop all this testifying and preaching. They said, well, and they, in fact, they gave them a good beating. They said, you do whatever you need to do, but we cannot, but we, we it's like fire shut up in our bones. We just got to tell what we've seen and heard. We're witnessing for the Lord. The apostle Paul, Acts 22 and 15, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. That's what Paul did. He just told what happened to him. Over and over, he told his Damascus experience. You remember that? He told how Jesus appeared to him at noontime. He was on his way. He was riding a, a, an animal headed to Damascus. And uh, a light appeared from heaven brighter than the sun. Boy, that's a bright, shining light, wouldn't you say? And he heard in a voice that said, Paul or Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And, and Saul fell down and uh, said, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told him what to do. And from then on, he just, he just shared with everybody what he had seen and heard. The apostle John, many years after a lot of the other disciples had already died, John, the old man in 1 John 1, 1 to 3, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands have ha and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Again, I want you to understand that a witness is someone who has seen and heard something and communicates that experience accurately. That's, that's what a witness is. I may have told you this story before. It's one of my favorite. Brother Elton shared it with me many years ago. He was telling me about this old boy down in South Georgia. And by the way, I had somebody come to me after the first service and said, Preacher, I'm from South Georgia. Please tell them this guy was from Alabama. <laughs> no, he's from South Georgia. I'm sorry. Uh, this, this, this old boy, country boy from South Georgia, he, he didn't have much education. And he had witnessed a crime. And so he was hauled into court to be a witness 
And he, he, when they asked him what, what happened, he told them exactly what he saw and exactly what he heard. And the opposing attorney was trying to discredit his testimony. And so he said to him, said, uh, you know, that, that was a pretty good distance away, what you say you saw. He said, yeah. He said, do you have good eyesight? He said, oh, yeah, I can see really well. He said, well, just tell me, young man, just how far can you see? He thought a minute, and he said, well, I can see the moon. How far is that? <laughs> yeah. He could see, <laughs> and he could see a long way. Uh, you tell what you've seen and heard. I heard Robert Morris tell about this guy who, um, who had gotten saved. The old boy was an alcoholic or had been an alcoholic, and uh, he had a bunch of drunk friends that he used to party with all the time. And he was having a party at his house that night. And uh, all of his drunk buddies were going to come over and they were going to drink all evening long. But he started drinking before they got there. And he got about half high. And he was one of these guys when he got drunk, he got, <clears throat> he got all morbid and teary and crying and carrying on. And, and so he got to crying and he got to talking to himself. And he said, you know, I'm just sorry and good for nothing. And I'm just, and he just going on and on. And finally he just stopped and said, well, I think I'll just kill myself. And so he got to thinking how he'd kill himself. And so finally he came up with a plan how he'd kill himself. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll go in the kitchen and I'll stick my head in the oven and I'll just bake myself to death. <laughs> so he went in the kitchen, turned on the oven to about 400 and stuck his head in there and laid down on one of them racks and uh, <clears throat> it started getting hot. And he got to thinking. He said, you know, this is hot. And he said, what if I kill myself and I go somewhere where it's hotter than this? And he sobered up. And the Holy Spirit took advantage of that and got him under good conviction. He got to thinking about where he's going to go when he died. And so he took his head out of that oven, and while he was on his knees there, he asked God to forgive him. And God just completely sobered him up, just transformed his life. He was born again, received Christ as his Savior, got up off of his knees a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. I mean, the whole world changed. There was joy in his heart. He was excited. But after a while, his drunk buddies started coming in for the party. And they're coming in. And, and one of his buddies said to him, said, what's happened to you? You look different. And he said, yeah. He said, I'm so happy I can hardly stand it. And, and he said, well, you, you going to drink with us? He said, usually you, you, already, you already got a drink in your hand by the time we get. He said, no, I'm not. He said, in fact, I don't think I'll ever drink again. He said, good time of living. What has happened to you? He said, let me tell you, said, I, I got saved. He said, uh, he said, man, I, I, everything is wonderful. He said, the sky is bluer than I've ever seen it. The grass is greener. The world is, I, I'm just so happy I can hardly contain myself. And the guy said, well, wow. Said, maybe I ought to try that. Said, uh, how do you do that? How do you get saved? He said, come in the kitchen. <laughs> so he followed him into the kitchen. 
He said, get down on your knees. He got down on his knees. He opened the oven. He said, stick your head in the oven. <laughs> he's, he's witnessing what he had seen and heard. <laughs> Listen, uh, that, we try to make witnessing so hard. And, and, and I appreciate all the different methods and means. I appreciate the Roman road. I appreciate the, the evangelism explosion. I appreciate that. There, there's just numerous things that you can learn. And, oh, well, that's good. Learn them. Use them and, and, and all you can. But what Jesus simply asked us to be is his witness. He said, this is what I did. I came to earth and just shared with you what my heavenly father did. I told you what I've seen and what I've heard. That's all I want you to do. I just want you to go tell everybody what you have seen and what you have heard. That is a witness. That is our testimony. And that's what the Lord Jesus wants us to be. He won't, Notice he didn't say, I want you to witness. He said, I want you to be a witness. That means your life is just constantly open to share the good things that you have seen and the good things that you have heard from the Lord. Now, what are you supposed to be? Witnesses. witnesses. Say witnesses. That's what you're called to be. Now, I want to tell you what you've been called to receive. You ready? This is the second point. This is, this is, we'll finish up my message. You shall receive power. You shall receive power. Say power. power. You shall receive power. If you study that word power, it, the, the, the Greek word from which it comes is dunamis, which means um, explosive power. We get the word dynamite in English from that. It's a powerful word. We're not talking about just a little, a little touch of something that, that makes you have goosebumps. We're not talking about just a little something that kind of, no, no, we're talking about power. We're talking about dynamite power. Jesus said, if you will be who I've called you to be, I'm not going to ask you to do that by yourself. I'm going to give you the power to accomplish what I've called you to be. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that God never asks us to do anything that he won't help us to do? He will come alongside. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to empower you to share what you've seen and heard. I'm going to empower you. And I want you to do it everywhere. He started, he said, start with Jerusalem. That's where they were. Spread out to Judea. Go on from there to Samaria and go to, all, to the whole world. Just share what the Lord, what you've seen and heard. Just, just tell it. Tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it. Just share what you've seen and heard until the whole world knows about Jesus. Now, that seems like a daunting task, but it's really not. Because the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and empowers us if we'll just open our mouth and try. If we'll, just, if we'll just tell somebody what the Lord has done for us, then the Holy Spirit will empower that and, and will we'll make that opportunity just come alive as, as you share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He'll give you power to accomplish it, dynamite power. I'm talking about the kind of power, if, you know, if you can't pull a tree over, or you, you, you just dig around the roots and stick a, a, stick a dynamite in there and light that thing, it'll blow it out of the ground. We're talking about power. God said, I'll give you the power to accomplish this. How many want some of that power in your life today? You just praise God. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will empower you to do what the Lord has called you to do. I think sometimes we misunderstand the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it, the Holy Spirit has oftentimes been misused and, and uh, anointing maybe have been abused by some. And, and we think it's for everything in the world except what Jesus said he sent it for. And that's to empower us to do this, to just share what, what the Lord wants us to do. I had a... <clears throat> I had a meeting the other day, uh, an unexpected meeting. In fact, they buzzed me in my office, and um, I, I didn't have an appointment right then. I was working on something else, and and they uh, told me that, that that there was a a man in the lobby that was there to see me, and it was a preacher friend that I had not seen for a couple years, and um, we had been real close many years ago when he was here in Augusta. He no longer here. He lives in Houston, Texas now. And uh, so I went out, delighted to see him, and, and we sat down and just had the greatest conversation, kind of catch up on old times and about our kids and family and who's where and how many kids you got, how many grandkids you got, and, and uh, in my case, how many great-grandkids you got. And uh, so we were talking along for a while, and, and along the way, I asked him something. I said, what, what's going on in your life right now? And he shared with me that, about two years ago, the Lord started troubling his heart um, about the fact that he wasn't sharing enough. He wasn't, he wasn't being the witness that the Lord really wanted him to. And, and <clears throat> remember, to be a witness, all you got to do is just tell what you've seen and heard. And so he said, well, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to do that, but I need an icebreaker. I need a way to, to, to find my way in to talk to people. And he said, the Lord gave him two questions to ask people. And he said, oh, and he, he just grinning from ear to ear. He's delightful. In fact, he's writing a book on this now. It's so simple and uh, a syllabus with it to train other people new. He said, God gave me two questions. And he said, I've been putting it to the test now for two years. He said, I made a commitment to God. I said, God, when God gave me the first question to ask, he said, I said, Lord, I will ask two people every day, two people every day I will ask these two questions to. And he said, I'm going to put you to the test. You tell me that this will open the door. And Lord, I, I know that sometimes when you witness people get mad and they don't want anything to do with it, or they'll shut you off or shut you down. He said, I'm going to put you to the test. In fact, he said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm willing to, I'll ask two people every day, but he said, Lord, I'm going to look for the biggest, roughest, meanest looking men that I can find. He said, Lord, I mean, I want men that's got a neck like this. I want skinheads. I want tattoos all over them. I, I want the roughest, toughest kind of guys that I, I want to find out if this works. The kind of guys that would intimidate you that you know, could knock me sidewinding with, uh, with one hand. He said, those are the kind of people I'm going to ask that question to. 
And he said, Rich, in two years, I've never had a person. I've been asking at least two people every day. And always the biggest, toughest looking men I can find. In two years, I've never had anybody to, to push me off. Or, or I've never found anything but acceptance. Here's the first question. He said, I, I, I walk up to a person, total stranger. And he said, pardon me, could I ask you a question? And he said, they always say, well, of course. And he said, how long has it been since someone told you just how much God really loves you? In fact, he shared with me, he said, just yesterday, I was in a restaurant here in town. And he said, <clears throat> I was sitting there eating my meal and I happened to glance around the restaurant and I saw a table over in the corner and said there was a big old joker sitting at the head of the table and said there was some other big guys around him too but there was a big guy a brute of a man and he said the Holy Spirit reminded me of what I had told the Lord I'd do and he said I actually walked around the table a couple of times before I got up the nerve he said there was an empty chair right there beside him. He said, I, I walked up and I said, would y'all excuse me, please? Young man, I'd like to ask you a question, if it's okay. And he said, sure. In fact, sit down. There's an empty chair there. What do you want to talk about? He said, I looked him right in the eye and I said, sir, how long has it been since someone told you just how much God really loves you? And he said the guy scooted back in his chair. And he sat there and there was a long pause. And he said, I saw him begin to tear up. And he said, sir, I just got out of prison yesterday. And I didn't know that anybody cared anything about me. He said, I've got to start a new life. And I've got nobody. I got no friends. I got no family. I got nothing left. Everybody has cut me off. I didn't know that God cared anything about me. I didn't know if God knew I was alive or not. Long story short, Larry shared his testimony, and the guy gave his heart to Jesus. The Holy, give God praise for that. What I'm telling you this morning, church, is that when you and I are willing to allow that power of the Holy Spirit to direct us, God will open doors that will amaze you. If we're just willing to be who he's called us to be, if we're just willing to be what he has called us to be, the Holy Spirit will empower. The Holy Spirit will open the doors. The Holy Spirit will make the way. The Holy Spirit will point out the person you need to share with. And it's simple. All you got to do is just ask a question that will open the door, and then you just tell them what you've seen and what you've heard. That's all it is. That's, that's what witnessing is all about, just sharing 
And everybody in this room has a story. We all have a story. And the wonderful thing about sharing your testimony, folks, is this. People can't argue with your testimony. All they can do is either receive it or reject it. That's all they can do. I mean, it's your testimony. It's what Jesus did for you. You say, well, preacher, I don't have a fantastic testimony. Oh, yes, you do. If you've been born again, you have a fantastic testimony. You were dead in trespasses and sin on your way to hell. And Jesus intersected you on that road and drew you to himself. And you've been born again. Glory to God. Your name's been written on the Lamb's book of life. Amen. We've all got a story. We've all got a story. Some of it's unique and different. I look around this room, so you got some, well, you got some stories. Glory to God. Are you willing to be what he's called you to be? I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. My time is gone. By the way, the second question that the Lord gave my friend to ask is simply this. If you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? And he said, that's the question that opens so many doors. If you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? And he said, that's where I usually get the opportunity to share my story or my testimony. But he said, even if I don't, he said, I just leave it with him. You, you see, friends, sometimes we put all this pressure on ourselves. We feel like we've got to, we got to close the deal. And that, that's wonderful. Uh, if you're a salesman, closing the deal is a big thing. But <clears throat> we're not the one that converts the sinner. That's God's business. Our job is to just tell the story. It's the Holy Spirit's job to draw them to Jesus. It's the work of the Lord that changes lives. I can't change anybody, neither can you. But I can tell them about one who can. And then you just leave it there. In fact, <clears throat> my friend was sharing with me that the latest research shows that when a person accepts the Lord, usually it's the seventh time that somebody has sowed a seed in their life about the Word of God and about Jesus. And he said, isn't it amazing? He said, I may be the first one that shares. He said, if, if, they're, not, if they're not ready to pray right then, he said, I don't make a big deal out of it. It's not my job anyway. That's up to the Holy Spirit. I just go and find some, some other big old rough dude that I can say, how long has it been since somebody told you that, G that God really loves you? And uh, if you could ask God for one thing, what would it be? He said, uh, maybe I'm the second guy, the third guy, the fourth guy. And he said, imagine this. I sow, somebody else sows, another person sows. Imagine that seventh person that sows, and they give their heart to Jesus. Boy, they think they really did something. <laughs> wow, I'm good at this. Boy, I got that one. Amen. No. It's up to the Lord. All God's asking us to do is just be what he's called us to be. To be what he's called us to be. 
Here's what I'm going to ask you. Bow your heads with me for just a moment, if you will, please. If you're standing here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I invite you to do so today? We're, we're going to pray in just a moment. And when we pray, if you would just open your heart and say, Lord, I want you to forgive me for my sins. And I want to invite Jesus to come into my heart. I'll make him Lord of my life. You can be born again right here in this service this morning. More than anything, God would like for you to become one of his children. He'd like to write your name on the Lamb's book of life. He'd like to make you a child of God. He'd like to be your father. For some of you, that would be a father you've never had. He'd like to be that father, that father that loves you. He wants you to know today that he loves you. If you have other needs today, if you'll just open your heart and share them with the Lord, God will minister to you. Here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. If you're willing to be what the Lord wants you to be, as I said, if you're unsaved, that's, he wants you to be a child of God. If you're, if you're saved and you've been filled with the Spirit, he wants you to be a witness. If you're willing to just be who God wants you to be, all over the building, I want you to just make a step forward. We're going to have a corporate prayer together here at the end this morning. Just come as close as you can. I know we can't get everybody up to right at the altar, but, but you're, you're, you're saying by taking that step, however many steps you can take until you run into people in front of you. But I preach it this morning, I'm willing to be. I'm willing, in, in some case, it may be a child of God. In another, it may be, I'm willing to be that witness that the Lord has called me to. But I, I'm willing to be what God wants me to be. We're going to pray. Now, I want you to just open your heart to the Lord in your own words. Just make that commitment to the Lord. Just tell him, Lord, I'm, I'm here. If you'll make the commitment to be what he's called you to be, he will give you the power to accomplish it. He will empower you to accomplish what he's called you to be. Pastor Steve's going to lead us in a song. In fact, in a, after we pray a little bit, uh, maybe we'll sing that song with him. Just join him in singing. But while they're playing and singing in the background, I want you to just from your own heart, right now, in your own way, just, just make that commitment to God right where you are. Father, I stand here with this congregation of people this morning. I ask you, Lord, to hear every cry from every heart. Help us to be what you've called us to be, knowing that you will empower us. We won't have to try it alone. You'll help us. You'll give us the strength, the courage, the ability, the power to become what you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for any man, woman, boy, girl who's unsaved right now that you just come right in as they open their heart's door. Let them experience the joy of salvation, the joy of sins forgiven, the victory that comes in your presence. And Lord, for all of us today who have known you as Savior and Lord, 
Help us to be that witness that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.